Well, now we're going to turn to this morning's scripture reading. Today we're going to continue our, our Faith at the Movies worship series. Every year at the beginning of the year, for the last many, many years, we start, we start the year off with our Faith at the Movies series. Each week we invite you to, to watch a movie, either streamed online or, or out at the movie theater. And then on Sunday morning, we, we take some time to, to have a message that was inspired by the movie that we saw that week. This is one of the ways in which we're learning that we can hear God's voice anywhere. We can learn from from God anywhere, even at the movie theater, even when we're watching Netflix at home. This week's movie was a movie called Lilies of the Field. It's a, a classic movie that actually made history when Sidney Poitier won the, uh, won the best, actor, best acting Oscar uh, as an African-American actor. He made history way back in, in 1963 when this movie was released. It is a, a, great, a great movie. I really hope that you had a chance to watch it. I'm not going to spoil it too hard this morning. Uh, so if if you didn't get a chance to watch it, you can still uh, find it uh, online this afternoon. It'd be a great way to spend a cold afternoon. But uh, I hope that you watch this movie. Maybe I got a lot of emails from people this week, from people who said, I remember watching this movie when it came out, and I'm so glad to have an excuse to watch it again. Uh, and many of you, I hope, uh, saw this movie for the very first time this week and fell in love with it the way that, uh, that some of us did all the way back in 1963. All right, before we hear about the movie, before we talk about the movie, though, we're going to hear a story from the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, a story of the prophet Elijah that comes from 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning with verse 8. Listen now to this story. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there. For I have commanded a, a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied, and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, so that she, as well as he and her household, ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, nor did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, many, many years ago when I was a boy, I can remember one day I asked my father, I asked him, I said, Dad, what is your favorite movie? And he thought about it for a moment and then he looked at me and he said, well, I think my favorite movie is a movie called Lilies of the Field. 
And I said to him, what on earth is Lilies of the Field? I have never heard of this movie. I've never seen this movie. I didn't know this movie exists. And he said, well, hang on a second. And then he went back and dug through a box of old VHS tapes. And he found an old VHS tape that had a recording of Lilies of the Field on the tape. And so we sat down and we watched that movie together. And I have to tell you, even at that age, I was immediately, I was absolutely charmed by this movie. It was unlike any other movie I had ever seen. And it is so very different from everything that we think of when we think about Hollywood today, isn't it? If, if you saw the movie this week, if you watch this movie, you know that it is a, a very quiet movie. There are long stretches of the movie where there's no music, there's no soundtrack, there's no dialogue, just, just silence. And, and this is a movie that doesn't have, doesn't have a villain. There's no bad guy in particular in this movie. I was talking to, uh, to David Lindsay. You know, David, David is a, a movie buff. He knows more about movies than anyone I have ever met. I was talking to David about this movie this week, and he said, you know, it's, it's kind of even hard just to say what kind of a movie this is. It's too funny to be a drama, but it's too serious to be a comedy. It is, it is unlike any other movie that I have ever seen. And I remember even at that very young age, I was absolutely charmed by this movie when, when my dad sat me down and we watched it. We watched it together. So if you had a chance to watch the movie this week, then, uh, then you know what I'm about to tell you. If you didn't have the chance, I won't spoil it too hard this week. The, the movie, Lilies of the Field, begins with a, a man named Homer Smith, played by Sidney, the late, great Sidney Poitier. Homer Smith is driving down a, a very dry and dusty road. And as he's driving down that dry and dusty road, the, the radiator in his car runs dry. And he needs to put some water in the radiator of the car. His car is going to break down. He looks down the road a bit and he sees, he sees a house. And so he pulls up in front of this house. And there at the house, he meets a group of, of German-speaking nuns. And he speaks to the, the nun who seems to be in charge, the head nun, Mother Maria. He asks her if, if he can take some water. And so she shows him the pump where he can pump himself some water. And even as he is pumping the water, Mother Maria has got sort of a gleam in her eye. You can see that she is making plans for this man, Homer Smith, who has stopped at her house. And in fact, that's exactly what is happening because Mother Maria believes that Homer Smith, this stranger who happens to stop at her house and ask for a little bit of water, he is the answer to a prayer that she has been praying for for many, many months. She has been praying that God will send the nuns somebody strong who can build them a chapel. Now these nuns, every Sunday morning, have been walking miles and miles down a long, hot, dry, dusty road to worship with a community of Mexican-American farmers. And when they meet with this, this congregation of Mexican-American farmers, they, they don't worship in a church, they don't worship in a chapel. They meet in a parking lot and they worship around a, a makeshift altar that's set up in the, on the tailgate of, of somebody's car. And Mother Maria has been praying that God would send somebody who would help them to build a real chapel, a house of worship where they could gather close to God out of the heat of the sun. And she believes that this man, Homer Smith, is the answer to that prayer. And it turns out... Mother Maria is stubborn and she is persistent and she starts finding ways to keep Homer Smith from leaving, finding ways to keep him there at the farm until he finally agrees to build, to build the nuns this chapel. And as the movie goes on, something, something incredible, something amazing happens, especially, part 
particularly when Homer Smith sits at the table with these nuns for their evening meal each day. They, they, a sort of transformation takes place where even though they don't share faith, you know, he's a Baptist and they're Catholics, they don't share a culture. He's from the American South and they all came to America as refugees through East Germany having come over the, the Berlin Wall. Even though they don't share a faith or a culture, they become a kind of a family. And they begin to learn from one another. Homer Smith teaches them English. And he helps to put food on the table when their little garden doesn't really provide enough food for, for all of them to eat and to be strong and to be healthy. And by the time he is ready to leave, he has learned from them and they have learned from, from him. And, and they've been changed. They've been transformed. They're never going to be the same from this point after uh, all the rest of their lives. Even though they go their separate ways, they have, they have learned something important from one another. It is, it is a charming movie. It is really just a fascinating movie. It works not because of special effects, but because of good acting and a great compelling story uh, and, and you know, a strong characters. It is unlike mo almost anything you see coming out of Hollywood these days. And I can remember when my dad showed me this movie as, as a boy, I can remember I understood why this was my dad's favorite movie. It made sense to me. And as the years have gone by, I have come to believe that if they had had movies when Jesus was growing up, I believe that this also may very well have been Jesus' favorite movie. Now, they didn't have movies when Jesus was growing up. Instead, what they had was, was stories, right? And so Jesus, instead of going to the movies, he would have heard stories sitting on his, his earthly father, Joseph's knee. And I'm convinced that one of Jesus' favorite stories and one of the stories that he would have asked his father to tell him over and over and over again is the story of the widow of Zarephath. And we find this story in the Old Testament book of, of 1 Kings. Unlike lilies of the field, this story does have a villain. This story does have a bad guy. The villain in this story is a king named Ahab. Now the story goes that King Ahab got into trouble when he married a foreign princess. And then he started worshiping her foreign gods. And then he started building altars and places of worship for these foreign idols. And he started encouraging the people of Israel to also worship these foreign gods and to turn away, to turn their backs on the God who had led them out of slavery in the land of Egypt. The Bible says Ahab did more to provoke God's anger than all of the kings who came before him. And finally, God decided to do something about King Ahab. God decided to raise up a prophet who would call the people back. God decided to raise up a prophet who would go in and confront King Ahab with his sins. God raised up a prophet named Elijah. And God sent Elijah to speak to King Ahab. And so one day, King Ahab went to where, or Elijah went to where King Ahab was. And he stood in front of the king and he said, Oh, king. He says, you have done more to provoke God's anger than all of the kings who have come before you. God is not happy with you right now. And God has given me enormous power, Elijah says. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, I tell you, it will not rain again in this land until I say the word. A great drought is coming on this land unless you choose to repent of your idolatry and your wickedness. And we don't know how King Ahab responded when, when Elijah gave him that message. Maybe he just laughed this no-name prophet who nobody had ever heard of out of his, his palace that day. 
Elijah left the palace and then he hit the road because he knew that even though the king was laughing now, when the drought really set in, when the drought really started hurting people, the king was going to remember that prophet and the king was going to come looking for that prophet. Elijah knew that he had just made a very powerful enemy and the best thing he could do was to hit the road. And so Elijah started off down this increasingly dry and dusty road and as Elijah is making his way from place to place, one day God speaks to him and God says, Elijah, I want you to go to a place called Zarephath. There's somebody there that I would like you to meet. This made sense to Elijah because Zarephath was in a foreign land. It was across the border in the land of the Syrophoenicians. And so Elijah figured, well, maybe across that border he would be out of King Ahab's reach. Maybe there he would be safe from King Ahab. And so Elijah goes to this place called Zarephath, and that's where the story picks up in 1 Kings this morning. Elijah is on his way down this dry and dusty road to this place called Zarephath, and as he is making his way down the road, suddenly he sees a woman there by the side of the road gathering sticks. And because he's been traveling and it's hot and it's dusty and he's thirsty, Elijah looks at this woman and he speaks to her. He says, go, go and get me a cup of water so that I might have something to drink. And the woman doesn't say a word. She just gets up and she goes and she fetches a cup of water. And as she's bringing this cup of water to Elijah, before she has even given him the cup of water, he speaks to her again and he says, while you're at it, go get me some bread too because I'm hungry. And now if at this point you're thinking, hold on a second, who does this guy think he is to suddenly start barking orders at strange woman he meets along the side of the road and expect her to just jump and do what he says? Who does this guy, where does he come off just shouting at people and expecting them to do what he tells them to do? If Elijah at this point in the story is rubbing you the wrong way, you might be on to something. You know, this week I've been reading about what our Jewish friends have to say about this story. And the rabbis, they have a theory about this story. They have a theory about why Elijah is behaving in this abrupt and even rude way. And they have a theory about why God has sent Elijah to this place called Zarephath in the first place. And the rabbis point out that God has just given Elijah incredible, enormous, unprecedented power. You know, the rabbis point out that from the very beginning of creation all the way up to this point in human history, the only one who has had the power to make the rain fall from the sky is God and God alone. When God says to Elijah, I'm going to give you the power to let the rain fall or to tell the rain to stop, God is literally giving Elijah God-like powers. And God is afraid that Elijah is not ready for that kind of power yet. God is afraid that Elijah is not spiritually mature enough yet to handle that kind of power. There is something that God wants Elijah to learn from this woman before he will be ready to really use his prophetic powers. And this is why God has sent Elijah to Zarephath. God wants Elijah to learn something from this woman by the side of the road. Elijah barks his order at this woman. He tells her to go get him some bread. And then this woman does the last thing Elijah is expecting. She puts her foot down. 
And she looks at him and she says, listen, buddy. She doesn't say, listen, buddy. That's not in the Bible. What she actually, what she actually says is, as the Lord your God lives. Notice she doesn't say, as the Lord my God lives. She says, as the Lord your God lives. She is putting him in his place. She is reminding him that he is the guest now in a foreign land. She is reminding him that they don't share a faith and they don't share a culture. And he might be a prophet, but he's not a prophet of her gods. And so he better watch where he steps now that he is in the land of Zarephath. She puts him very gently but firmly in his place. As the Lord your God lives, let me tell you why I am out here today with the sun beating down on my shoulders, gathering sticks by the side of the road. She says, I do not have any bread to give you. What I've got back in my house is I've got a little bit of flour in a jar and I've got a little bit of oil in a jug and I'm going to take these sticks and I'm going to go home and I'm going to build a fire and I'm going to bake one loaf of bread with the flour I got left and the oil I got left and then I'm going to eat and my son is going to eat and then I suppose we are going to die. And this is what God wanted Elijah to hear from this widow woman. God wanted Elijah to go to this place to hear her story so he would see what happens when prophets use enormous power out of anger in a reckless way. God wants Elijah to see that when prophets and kings get into fights, the people who suffer the most are not the prophets and they're not the kings. It's the widows and orphans way down at the bottom of the social ladder. Those are the people who suffer. And God wants Elijah to see that the suffering that this drought has caused is not just confined to the palace of the king. It's not confined to the land of the Israelites. It has crossed borders and Elijah's drought is causing suffering and pain and even death in foreign lands where he has never set foot before. God wants Elijah to see the consequences, what happens when you use enormous power in anger without compassion. This is what God wants Elijah to learn from this woman. God wants Elijah to learn compassion from this woman in the place called Zarephath. And when Elijah hears the woman's story, his heart begins to soften up a bit. He speaks to her again, but this time he speaks to her gently. And he says, do not be afraid. He says, go home, bake your loaf of bread, and then let's all sit down at the table together. Your son and I and you will all sit down at the table together and we'll share in that bread. And he said, I make you this promise. For as long as it takes for the rain to fall, your jar will never run out of flour and your jug will never run out of oil. And so that's what they do. They go and they, they have a little bread together and it's exactly as Elijah said. Elijah becomes a house guest at this woman's home. He lives there with, with this widow and with her son and day after day when she goes to check the pantry, she sees that there is flour in the jar. And there's oil in the jug. Day after day, these people sit at the table together and they share in a meal of miraculous bread. And, and the story goes on. There are more stories about Elijah's time as a, as a guest with this woman in her home. We don't know how long he stayed there. It might be days. It might be years. But it was long enough that even though they didn't share a faith, 
And even though they didn't share a culture, Elijah and this widow and her son, they became a kind of a family. They became a kind of community together, and they learned from each other. And by the time Elijah goes on his way, his life has been transformed, and so has hers. And I am convinced that this story, this story of a man who asks a woman for some water on a day on a hot and dusty road and then becomes a guest in her home, I am convinced that this story of people sitting down and eating at a table together, even though they don't share a faith, even though they don't share a culture, I am convinced that this is one of Jesus' most favorite stories. Why do I believe that this is one of the stories that Jesus would have asked his father Joseph to tell him over and over and over again? Here's why. In the Gospel of Luke, as Jesus begins his ministry, the very first sermon that he preaches after he begins his ministry, the first time Jesus stands up in front of a congregation of people who have gathered to hear the word of the Lord, Jesus stands up in front of those people, he unrolls the scroll, he reads the scripture lesson for that day, and then once he has read the scripture lesson, the very first thing Jesus does, the very first thing Jesus says is he begins to tell the story of the widow of Zarephath. This is the first story Jesus tells in the very first sermon he preaches when he begins his ministry. And when we begin to look closely at the life and the stories and the teachings of Jesus, we begin to see reflections of this story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath everywhere we look. A couple weeks ago, we heard this story of a time when Jesus was walking down a hot and dusty road and he saw a Samaritan woman off to the side of the road, a woman who didn't share his faith, a woman who didn't share his culture. And as Jesus was passing by, you remember what he does? He asks her, go get a cup of water so that I can have a drink. And Jesus must have smiled knowing that he was using almost exactly the same words that Elijah used when he first spoke to the widow of Zarephath. And of course, one of the greatest miracles of all of the ministry of Jesus is that moment when he takes a little bit of bread and he turns it into a whole lot of miraculous bread. And then there's this other story. There's this other story of a moment when a Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus. Many scholars believe that this woman might even have come from Zarephath to meet Jesus. This woman who doesn't share Jesus' faith, who doesn't share his culture, comes to him looking for a miracle for her daughter. And then she is stubborn and she is persistent and she doesn't let Jesus go on with his ministry until she gets what she came to get. And not only does Jesus give her a miracle, but Jesus praises her faith. All over the ministry of Jesus, we see reflections and echoes of this story from the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. But most of all, most of all, when we look at the ministry of Jesus, we see that Jesus carried within himself the same compassion the prophet Elijah learned when he went and stayed as a guest with this widow in Zarephath. You know, Jesus learned from this story that there is a wideness to God's mercy. Jesus learned that God watches over the birds of the air and God watches over the lilies of the field. God watches over prophets and God watches over widows. God watches over Israelites and God watches over Syrophoenicians. God watches over Baptists and God watches over Catholics. 
God watches over Southern Americans and Mexican Americans and East German refugees. God watches over people of faith and people who are trying to recover their faith. God watches over black people and God watches over white people. Jesus learned from this story that there is a wideness in God's mercy. And he carried that compassion in his heart and he let that compassion guide him every step of his ministry. And God willing, that same compassion will guide us still every step, every ministry of the church today. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would give us today the compassion that the widow of Zarephath taught the prophet Elijah. Give us the compassion that Jesus carried within himself when he met the Samaritan woman, when he met the Syrophoenician woman, when he saw a crowd of hungry people and knew that he could give them bread. God, place within us the compassion that you have for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, for Baptists and Catholics and Methodists and Jews and Mexican-Americans and Southern Americans and refugees and immigrants. God, help us to remember every day that there is a wideness to your mercy. And give us the courage to sit at the table with people who don't share our faith, who don't share our culture, and still are beloved by you. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.